tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And if you've ever sat around your family room at night and responded to a game that tells you to bop it, pull it, twist it, cast it, comb it, then you know the work of our guest today. He's the inventor of the bop it. Dan Klitzner is on the show. Dan, welcome. I just happen to have that. <laughs> That's right. It's taken me all the way back. Of a familiar sound. Thank you, Mark. Big fan of your books on creativity, and it's really an honor to be here. Well, thanks so much. Dan, of course, has a love for games, and he is not a one-hit wonder. Boppet is only one of of a hundred, as he would coin them even, annoying toys. It's the ones we love to hate, right, Dan? Yeah, I'm proud to, I believe I, I am responsible for creating the world's most annoying game, You calculated by very scientific methods, of course. That's right. Well, today we want to talk with Dan about how to take this idea of a boppet, you know, but any idea to development. We're going to talk a little bit about the art of the pitch, and then we'll talk about some cool things he's working on now in recognition of the 25th anniversary of the boppet. Now, there's nothing like hearing 25 years of a boppet to make us all feel old, but uh, it also <laughs> speaks to the, the impact and the ripple effects of a toy like the Boppet. That's right. I am having a hard time believing it myself. Honestly, there's drawings, there's things, there's still stuff I have sitting around from 25 years ago that I, I'm kind of amazed that it doesn't it seem that way. Like how, how is it possible? But I've done the math and it's all true. It's, it's a quarter of a century since that happened. Unbelievable. Well, we were all sitting around listening to our uh, late nineties uh, music and uh, started playing the boppet. But let's go back to that and then say the creative process. You were talking about drawings and prototypes. And so there's one thing to come up with an idea and make and design it, but it's another to actually get it to the market. What was some of your learnings from that process? I started as an industrial designer, or I am an industrial designer with an interest in you know, making stuff. I love the idea of figuring things out and problem solving something that, you know, you could make something better, which is the opposite of this, by the way, and games, which are, they're not there to solve any other problem, but to disrupt or do something new to give you a new experience. So in a way they're, they're very, it's very interesting when you ask about the creative process, because for toys and games, it tends to be different ideation than for problem solving stuff. Uh, so my beginnings were looking, though, at a cross between industrial design and games, just because I, I still liked products that were ergonomic, that fit in your hand, all these kind of things. And when I started as to, I'm skipping a lot here, but starting out as a uh, looking at pitching ideas to toy companies, I specifically was inspired by the idea of animate the player of an object make them move the the uh, the the goal of the product is to animate the person not the other way around so when you think about bop it and you think it got it told it literally tells you what to do bop it twist it pull it and you do it the entertaining part is watching is is as much watching someone do it as it is to do it yourself that's why i believe it 
it has all these great feelings from people hanging out in the 90s and playing this game because you it really let everyone else in on it and that's sort of one of the biggest insights that I've then leaned on for the next 25 years is a lot of other games that if you think about it, one thing in common is they animate you. That's so interesting. It, at a time, and certainly an era that's built, when we're trying to animate everything else to entertain us, you're saying you looked inside and looked at the user and said, how can I animate the person? Exactly. Watch the player, not the game is sort of the motto. And that, and that is really, I've given it out to everyone. It's like, it always, it sort of always works, you know, in terms of maybe everyone's imagining right now, uh, how would that apply to designing, I don't know, a toaster or designing even graphic design or being creative with an art piece or sculpture. I, I think it's a, it's just sort of a line you can think, what, how could I, what if my job as a creator was to make the person using this more active, more movement, and for the more animated. And animated could be their face. It could be, you know, just smiling. You could you could take it to another more abstract. But literally, uh, the actual product I was working on at the time was a remote control for kids, uh, a universal remote for TVs that would let you change channels. I had a bunch of different designs, and one of them was called a channel bopper. And it looked kind of like this foam core mm -hmm. prototype here. If you if you're watching, if you're listening, it's it's a looks like a hammer with two giant soft balls on either side instead of hard parts of the hammer. Um, and the idea was the channel bopper was a remote control that animated the kid. That when you want to change channels, you don't just push a little button with your thumb. You slam it on the table. You bop it on the table, and it would change a channel every time you bopped it. So it'd be like, I don't like that channel. I don't like that one. Bomb, 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 you know, 12, 13, 14. This was of course, before we had 14,000 channels, but uh, yeah, it would take a while. It'd take a while, but, <laughs> but when you, it has two bops on it because when you flip it around, you, you turn, you went downward. So downward, upward. So how do you, that's really animating someone versus using your thumbs right? Which we do on phones now today, still mostly it's thumbs that we mm -hmm. animate. Instead of a volume button, it was a knob that you turned because that's sort of ergonomic to volume. People think of volume like old volume knobs. So the volume on this remote was a twist and the on off of your TV was a pull. You just pulled it on and off. So that was twist, pull, bop. It was failed uh, or it was rejected many times as a cool kids remote control until someone said, what if it's not a remote? Mm -hmm. And as I've said in many, I think interviews, you know, or anyone who's creative knows what it feels like when someone tells you that your main concept, what if it isn't what you're really thinking? Right. <laughs> what, your, what if your vision isn't the right? And your first gut is what? Your first thing you might say is, are you crazy? That's you just concept. don't understand. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, uh, but before saying that I caught myself and remembered that yes. And, and all the lessons we learn in listening, what I call relentless listening to others, when they do have an idea that when they, when they're kind enough to riff off of your ideas, you always say yes. And I thought maybe it isn't, what would that do? And so that actually just that one comment got me thinking, what if it was a game? 
Uh, I already thought of it having noises and sounds and, you know, so it just sort of evolved from there. And there's a quite a long story about how through several iterations and rejections and different things that eventually evolved into the bop that we know today. Mm-hmm. But if you see these, if you're looking, you can see the similarity between these two designs. This is, you know, they're, they're cool. And that look at the twist knob is yellow and it twists and the pull knob is down at the bottom. Yes. So they're very similar. Yeah, there's but, a lot of basics of the idea, you bet. But, but why, but the bop, it has two bops on it, right? Here and here, because this had two buttons. And what's really interesting is that's sort of evolved even though they do the same thing. You don't really need two buttons. Mm-hmm. But because there were two buttons, we believe that most people, that it became a three-dimensional product that required a lot more animation of the player because you couldn't, you know, you could use it in a lot of ways. And so as much as that concept or lesson, animate the player started, it ended differently, but it's still, the DNA was there. And I believe that's why it, it kind of worked. Yeah, it does. Well, listeners, uh, in just the first few minutes of the show, we've gotten two big ideas. So let's let's highlight them. Let's put a little highlighter on these two. And that is put in your brief, whatever you're working on right now, how to animate the user. And also let's stop a moment and consider this relentless listening. Dan, I love this. And of course, we all try to practice this. But when thinking about how you pitch the Boppet and then you get this feedback, uh, but then you, I'm sure there was more than one pitch. So you kept pitching until somebody said, I think we could make this thing. But where was the give and take? Let's talk about the two-way pitch process. Pitching in general is something that is so fun. Or hopefully it's fun for you. That's why you're an idea person if you're listening or anything. You know, you're a designer, just whenever you've got to pitch your idea to someone, you could be an idea for a business or anyone pitching an idea, one of the most interesting things to me is how you choose to pitch it depending on the idea. You know, at, at, there's just not one way to pitch ideas. There's, there's many ideas and you have to figure out what is the compelling way to get people to actually love this. And in the toy industry, often the people you pitch to aren't necessarily the people that eventually decide whether they're doing it or not. So there's a lot of other things to consider about your pitch. You don't just pitch it like on Shark Tank and they say sold some, it has happened by the way, when you're with the right audience. So if you're with the right audience, you pitch one way, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you're trying to, but I'd say, so going a little deeper, that is uh, knowing your audience is the most important thing before you pitch. Who are, who are you pitching? And certainly understanding that what you're pitching is something they, they want. A lot of people, when they pitch an idea, they're just pitching it to the wrong people. They, they know they love their idea, but they're not really, they really haven't found out enough about who they're pitching to, to know why that company or person would want it. So <laughs> I know you want, you know, there's a lot of like the technique of pitching is sort of what people think about, but it's all about what you know ahead of time. Yes. And over the, over the years that, that is what you gather in any industry, but in toys for, for sure, as you start to get to know all the different people and what they want and why this company wants that and this company wants this. The, but, you know, Bop It was pitched as a foam core uh, handheld model because that was the best way to sort of test out. You had to hold it. A video of it wasn't really enough. You, you had to have something 
I, but I dubbed the sound into a separate, uh, actually on a video of me playing it. Then I made sure that when it went internal, I said, so hold this foam core hammer. Don't just show the video. You can listen to the soundtrack without, you know, off screen, making it sound like this little foam core hammer is electronic, but because it's just telling you what to do, you can pretend to do it and it looks like you're playing the game and it's funny you know, watching someone bop it, twist it, pull it in. So even if you look it up, I'm sure it's on, on, it's on YouTube or some people have posted it a lot. My original pitch video, 25 or 26 years ago now of me uh, basically pitching this foam core hammer is a, just a dubbed soundtrack, but it was used as the soundtrack for them to pitch internally without yes. a working model. Well, exactly. And you're sort of bringing your own brief to life. It's like, I can't show you on a PowerPoint how this is going to work. I have to put it in your hands. Experiential. So that uh -huh. product needed an experiential pitch. Other products, you know, when I've pitched, you know, thousands and thousands of ideas, some of them, you have to say this, this should be a 30 second, basically commercial. I want to make sure that this is such a visual idea. Um, this one, like there was one similar called, uh, Hyperdash, which was this game that sort of told you to run around and do things. It really, you really needed to see, I wasn't expecting the people to do it, but you wanted to see kids doing it. So I did a very quick video showing you could really viscerally understand what was happening quickly, like any good advertising. So that's, you know, a very visual idea. Um, there's ideas that are technologically, you know, incredible new technologies those you can't you maybe you can show a video to get people interested but you're gonna those are like proof of principle products that have to be built and proven like this really is anti-gravity well we're gonna need to see a prototype on that you know mm -hmm. so <laughs> so think so, so, yeah. so i just there's I just a little say, bit of a prove it uh, on something like that but but yeah. something very uncommon i think with many industries for pitching is to make sure to keep it loose um you know, let the people again call it animate the listener you know let the people into the process by not having it buttoned up especially when toy concepts you you really want to rely on the feedback from the people you're pitching because often they've seen more concepts than you have and mm -hmm. they're going to have you know you don't have to take their advice but make sure you have something where you can get their input for sure but I know anything from rough sketching, you know, a design, you know, people know if you're showing an architectural sketch, you're showing something, most people respond better to a loose, in my opinion, a loose version of that thing. Yeah. And I wonder if the listeners think, well, Dan, you're so good at this. You've invented all these hundreds of games, but didn't you ever have that meeting where they go, I don't get it. I, I think of the scene in Big where they've pitched this toy and it's like, I don't get it. <laughs> Suddenly, uh, haven't you had that, the blank stare? I have licensed, I really have lost track. Honestly, it's over hundreds of things, but that means I have had that blank stare about 10, 20, 30 times that, or <laughs> thousands, thousands, right? You, yeah, you to, get my, the, to get the small percent of winners. There are so many, I have the beholder, I bop it was rejected by several people companies you know they just didn't get it and later they go oh i should have seen it well we all feel that way but it's about execution of the product it's it's you know whether that person you're pitching to sees beyond the prototype or understands why it fits their marketing 
I've gotten, yeah, probably more than anyone listening, I would say, I bet you I've gotten the, I don't get it more than anyone. <laughs> well, and then when it is successful, let's turn the tables. It is a big success. And you say, where do we take this thing? Uh, there's a bop at two, if I'm using that brand name correctly. And now you're working on some other bop it extensions yeah. as the uh, 25th anniversary approaches. Yep. It's the 25th anniversary of this year, as we said, and, and I wanted to say, how do you celebrate that? And one way is looking back and saying, wow, look at all these, because there's been, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 different types of boppets. Many of the concepts weren't originally a boppet idea, but because of my association with the brand, you know, they became boppet Tetris, boppet Smash, boppet DJ, boppet this, you know, they were, they were sort of all categorized. They weren't the original gameplay of boppet, but they, so that's where do you take it? One is start building the brand bigger than just the item and, you know, making other things that sort of capture the same audience or the same fun. So that's one way that it had expanded. And so looking back, I'm, I'm trying to celebrate all these different things and all the, all the community that's been created around Boppet. And actually this, so there's, I don't know, two part question, right? How do you do that? I, I, that's a big discussion, just making sure to look for the bigger picture of what the product is not. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a Boppet too, which was uh, behind me. You can see Boppet Extreme, which was the first idea of just do the, do the same, but more of it. You know, clearly people would pay more if they could see more. It was not hidden. It was very clear that the animation of the person was amplified, was extreme. That's Bop It Extreme because it had more stuff to do. It had to flick it and spin it and different things that weren't on the first one. So that worked because it was more of the same, but, but better, which is one of the phrases in Bop It, by the way. More of the same. Do it the same, but better. That's one of the phrases. Mm -hmm. So I'm going the opposite direction. Actually, what I'm working on right now is this. I was starting a book, which may or may not be finished by the time this year's up. But it was this is a mock-up of it called Take This Book and Bop It. And it's the idea of, you know, how it happened and how it, how I think about creativity, but also just the fun of celebrating 25 years of Bop It. And my biggest thing was I wanted there to be a working Bop It on the front. <laughs> right. So it was, <laughs> so it's a book that has a Bop It on the front, just because that animates the player. They, they. The, the reader, right? You're, you're going to push that button. It's going to talk to you. And then when you open it up, it's got all sorts of things about um, my process, but the story. And so that was okay. But I got so in intrigued with this button that I thought, oh, just, you just push it. And it says one of several things. That's all it has to do. And then I started thinking, what if it was a game, a one button game? And this now has become this project that I'm actually going to be running a, a Kickstarter on in about a month. It's independent from Hasbro. It's a special product <laughs> called basically the Bop It button. And the rules are Bop It or Don't Bop It. Here, we'll play it. Bop It. Bop It. Bop It. It'll get there. Bop It. Don't Bop It. Bop It. So you say don't Bop yeah, It, right? No. If I could Bop It for you, I would. Try again. <laughs> So it goes to, to celebrate 25 years, 
this is, and, and BAPA used to go to 100 or the original one went to 100. So this goes to 2,500, sort of like 100 for each year. It's, it's not the same at all as the other ones. It's, it's totally about paying attention. And it's meant to just sit on your desk. It's like, you can just walk by and you know, hit it. And it says something funny, right? Yes. But when you play it, it starts to unlock things from the past. So I wanted to sort of little favorites. There's Easter eggs in there. There's things that Boppet players who's had a Boppet Extreme in 1998 are going to hear a sound and go, I think that was from the Boppet I had. So I wanted to celebrate by kind of making this crazy product that was so simple and easy to, you know, that, but it would include a little of everything. There's some guest voices in there. Might be, might be one from me if you find it. So I, I wanted to do something like that and also connect directly with fans by making first time I've actually made a product myself versus having a product licensed and published by another company. Mm -hmm. Well, and some listeners are into sonic branding. And I think about the signature sound of the Boppet. This is almost like who is the voice of the airport announcer and who's the voice of Alexa? You know, tell us uh, about the voice, the branding, the sounds of Boppet. Well, they're very, you know, it's a very interesting how many people have totally tuned into that, as you said, and the voice has become part of the brand. What's interesting is when people say, who's the voice of Boppet? I said, well, which Boppet? Because <laughs> it has changed. There's at least five or six currently. The one that's in here in the Boppet button and the one that's in these, this little mini replica Boppet. So there's also uh, is a replica of this Boppet is different totally than this one. This one was the industrial designer within Hasbro who just did the recording himself because all it was was three words, right? right. Later, as it became a big uh, bop at extreme, the idea was to put all these voices and things in it. It's a totally different voice. And then after that, it was another voice. So it over the years, it's changed depending on if it was a DJ bop it, if it was a this, but then Recently, I'd say in the last 10 years, it's almost always been a guy named Buddy Rubino, who's become a great friend, who um, is now, for that reason, we're trying to brand that. That is the voice of Boppet, so that when you hear it, it's, it's one voice that continues to be, you know, the same yeah. on all of them. Um, so okay. that is the voice. And in this little mini Boppet, it's the design of the first original Boppet, but the voice of the present. So it's supposed to tie the years together. Good connections. Love that. Well, you're also doing, Dan, we couldn't uh, talk about the 25th anniversary, but also to talk about your latest project to really bring Bop It for Good, you know, and do something for kids uh, and underserved areas, underserved populations and things uh, to really help people uh, with the idea behind the game and obviously the success you've had. Maybe you should give us a glimpse of that. Yeah, thanks for asking about that. That is, um, it was th this thought of how to celebrate. And my first thought was, how do I give back? I want to celebrate by giving something back to this incredible, I mean, I can't believe that this has been around for 25 years. And most, the most satisfying thing over the years has been to hear from certain communities that it's actually helped in the simplest ways, like um, there's a blind community that is very, it's become one of the most important games for the blind bop it has because it's so tactile and audio uh, and that you can play it if you're blind with someone who can see. 
and you can usually beat them or be on par. It, it isn't <laughs> a game specifically designed for for that uh, community. They get to be part of the fun with the kids that are playing video games and things. You know, it's it, it. I didn't realize how important it was that this was this cool game that everyone was playing that they could play just as well. And they make they make friends through Bop It with kids that can see when they're blind. Very very common story, which just touched me deeply. And so Bop It for Good. Uh, me and my wife have started a program this year to try to find through the Boys and Girls Club communities of kids that are that want to play with it just or just any of these after school communities where there are kids that are blind mixed with kids that can see how to make sure just as an icebreaker we make sure to get them all poppets um we're also working with autism because the same thing somehow kids with autism are very able to play boppet and often connect with others through play because Again, it's a common, uh, great thing about games, right? Is when they bring people together because it's a silly thing you all do together just to do it together. You're not usually learning something or doing something. Really, the best ones are we all are joined together, even with a stranger, because we want to play this game together. And so that's really, it's as simple as that. Bop It For Good is about finding communities that we can help get together and also especially profits that we get from this button we're trying to work with boys and girls club to go to these underserved communities and help their creativity programs so there's a lot there we have planned uh and uh more more to come in the fall yeah well it's exciting and it's kind of like uh an unintended consequence maybe i could put it that way you say hey i'm developing a toy but look at the way it does bring kids together you know if they have a disability or if they have a condition that um, the toy could really help overcome. Yeah, that it isn't a special needs toy. It wasn't designed differently because yes. often those things are difficult because they're very expensive because the scale doesn't work. There, You can't make enough in mass production of an item that's for special needs if it's only for that group. But if you can design a product for mass market that is able to be played by people who have a special need you know that is the best because you've connected those groups together which is which is what games should be doing yes well dan what a great conversation i've enjoyed it so much we could go on for hours i imagine this uh, coffee shop or uh, lunchtime conversation that we could be having and we could just go a lot of different directions so perhaps we can talk again sometime uh, i would love that yeah but meantime uh, tell people where they can find out more about you the work especially this uh, bop it for good program uh if you go to bop it for good.com you'll see some of the things we're starting there and the It'll have news about the Kickstarter for the button for those who want to uh, see more about that. And that's really it, boppitforgood.com. And my social media, I do a TikTok page, an Instagram page on just Boppit Inventor. Uh, not just about Boppit, but I do riff on it a lot. There's a lot. You can make a lot of fun of a lot of things <laughs> riffing off Boppit. And there's a lot of Boppit in social media. So I'm sort of becoming responding to people and having fun with celebrities. Uh, I just did a thing with Machine Gun Kelly where he had done this post on um, Christmas Day where he broke a Boppit. So I made a crazy Boppit and posted it. And so I'm just having fun with that. And it's about connecting with fans of Boppit and creativity. There you go. Well, and I assume, Dan, 
that you've got this mind that sometimes you can't turn it off? Are you always thinking about toys? Uh, Toys or solutions Solutions. to problems that, you know, I, I do a lot of sketching. I'm, I'm an illustrator or have, that's how I started. So usually if I just start drawing something, it, it, takes away the urge to always have to make something just draw it because <laughs> you because like you said otherwise you can't turn it off and you can only do so much exactly uh, but i am always drawing and, and things like that so yeah i can imagine the journal the the notebook the napkins the collection of ideas yeah it's fun and like i said i i think what i love most is if i wasn't a toy inventor i would my favorite thing would be to get in together with people and just playing games like that that is my favorite evening so it is wonderful to be able to do what i love and and uh like i said looking back feeling feeling like it's been an amazing uh interactive experience with all these people now now that i can really talk to them on social media it's been it's kind of incredible year oh fantastic well dan klitzner has been my guest dan can't thank you enough for being on the show I think we've taken away lots of good ideas, but also had a lot of fun. I appreciate that. Thanks, Mark. Again, really my honor and look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, I hope so. And listeners, uh, check out, I'll put the links in for the Bop It For Good uh, Kickstarter program and the other programs that we've talked about today, including The Voice. I'll try to find uh, Buddy's uh, (laughs) link. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Sounds good. All right. Finish with this. Pop it. That's a great way to close. (laughs) Thanks, Dan. And listeners, come back again. We've been celebrating the 25th anniversary of Bapa today, but another milestone, we're we're just a few weeks away from our 200th episode, our milestone here for the podcast. And it's all thanks to listeners like you and, of course, our creative guests like Dan. We really appreciate you coming by. If you haven't subscribed or if you'd like to leave us a review, it really encourages us as we go into the next uh, phase of the podcast. And join us again next time. We'll continue our around-the-world journeys to talk to creative practitioners about how they get inspired and how they organize and pitch those ideas, but also how they gain the confidence and the connections to launch their work out into the world. And that's what we're all about. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. See you soon. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliQ Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.